Chapter 3 of The Complete Works of Artemus Ward, Part 2, War, by Charles Farrar Brown. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 3, Fourth of July Oration Delivered July 4th at Wethersfield, Connecticut, 1859. I delivered the following about uh, two years ago to a large and discriminating audience. I was ninety-six minutes passing a given pint. I have revised the oration and added some things which makes it appropriater to the times than it otherwise would be. I have also uh, corrected the grammars and punctuated it. I do my own punctuating nowadays. The printers in Vanity Fair office can't punctuate worth a cent. Fellow citizens, I've been honored with an invite to know right before you today, and when I say that I scarcely feel equal to the task, I'm sure you will believe me. Wethersfield is justly celebrated for her onions and patriotism the world over, and to be asked to pause and address you on this my first professional tour through New England causes me to feel, uh, to feel, uh, I may say it causes me to feel great applause they thought this was one of my eccentricities while the fact is i was stuck this is between you and i i am a plain man i don't know nothing about no dead languages and am a little shaky on living ones therefore expect no flowery talk from me what i shall say will be to the pint right straight out i'm not a politician and my other habits are good I've no enemies to reward, no friends to sponge, but I'm a union man. I love the union. It is a big thing, and it makes my heart bleed to see a lot of ornery people a-moving heaven, no, not heaven, but the other place, and earth to bust it up. Too much good blood was split in courting and marrying that highly respectable female, the goddess of liberty, to get a divorce from her now. My own state of Indiana is celebrated for unhitching married people with neatness and dispatch, but you can't get a divorce from the goddess up there. Not by no means. That old gal has behaved herself too well to cast her off now. I'm sorry the pictures don't give her no shoes or stockings, but uh, the band of stars upon her head must continue to shine undimmed forever. I'm for the union as she air and withered be the arm of every ornery cuss who attempts to bust her up. That's me. I have said. It was a very sweaty day, and at this pint of the oration a man fell down with sunstroke. I told the audience that, considering the large number of putty gals present, I was more afraid of a daughter-stroke. This was impromptu and seemed to amuse them very much. Feller citizens, I ain't got time to notice the growth of America from the time when the Mayflowers come over in the Pilgrim and brought Plymouth Rock with them, but every schoolboy knows our career has been tremendous. You will excuse me if I don't praise the early settlers of the colonies, people which hung idiotic old women for witches, burn holes in Quakers' tongues, and consign their feller critters to the treadmill and pillory on the slightest provocation, may have been very nice folks in their way. But I must confess, I don't admire their style, and will pass them by. 
I suppose they meant well, and so in the novel and tiction language of the newspapers, peas to their ashes. There was no discount, however, on them brave men who fit, bled, and died in the American Revolution. We needn't be afraid of setting them up too steep. Like my show, they will stand any amount of praise. G. Washington was about uh, the best man this world ever sought eyes on. He was a clear-headed, warm-hearted, and steady-going man. He never slopped over. The prevailing weakness of most public men is to slop over. Put them words in large letters, A.W. They get filled up and slop. They rush things. They travel too much on the high-pressure principle. They get on to the first popular hobby horse which trots along, not caring a cent whether the beast is ever going, clear-sighted and sound or spavined, blind and balky. Of course, they get throwed eventually, if not sooner. When they see the multitude going it blind, they go pell-mell with it, instead of exerting themselves to set it right. They can't see that the crowd which is now bearing them triumphantly on its shoulders will soon discover its error and cast them into the hoss-pond of oblivion without the slightest hesitation. Washington never slopped over. That wasn't George's style. He loved his country dearly. He wasn't after the spiles. He was a human angel in a three-cornered hat and knee-breeches, and we shan't see his like right away. My friends, we can't all be Washingtons, but we can be patriots and behave ourselves in a human and a Christian manner. When we see a brother going downhill to ruin, let us not give him a push, but let us seize right hold of his coattails and draw him back to morality. Imagine G. Washington and P. Henry in the character of secessors. As well fancy John Bunyan and Dr. Watts in spangled tights doing the trapeze in a one-horse circus. I tell you, feller citizens, it would have been ten dollars in Jeff Davis's pocket if he'd never been born. Be sure and vote at least once in all elections. Buckle on your armor and go to the polls. See to it that your neighbor is there. See that the cripples are provided with carriages. Go to the polls and stay all day. Beware of the infamous lies which the opposition will be certain to get up for political effect on the eve of election. To the polls, and when you get there, vote just as you darn please. This is a privilege we all possess, and it is one of the booties of this great and free land. I see much to admire in New England. Your gals, in particular, are about as snug-built pieces of caliker as I ever saw. They are fully equal to the corn-fed gals of Ohio and Indiana, and will make the bestest kind of wives. It sets my bosom on fire to look at them. Be still, my soul, be still, and you, heart, stop cutting up. I like your schoolhouses, your meeting houses, your enterprise, gumption, etc. But your favorite beverage I disgust. I allude to New England rum. It is worse than the corn whiskey of Indiana, which eats through stone jugs and will turn the stomach of the most shiftless hog. I seldom seek consolation in the flowing bowl, but t'other day I worried down some of your rum. The first glass induced me to swear like an infuriated trooper. 
on taking the second glass i was seized with a desire to break winders and arter imbibing the third glass i knocked a small boy down picked his pocket of a new york ledger and wildly commenced reading sylvanius cobb's last tale it's dreadful stuff a sort of uh, liquid lightning got up under the personal supervision of the devil tears men's innards all to pieces and makes their noses blossom as the lobster shun it as you would a wild hyena with a firebrand tied to his tail and while you air about it you will do a first-rate thing for yourself and everybody about you by shunning all kinds of intoxicating liquors you don't need em no more than a cat needs two tails saying nothing about the trouble and suffering they cause but unless your innards are cast iron avoid new england's favorite beverage my friends i'm done i tear myself away from you with tears in my eyes and a pleasant odor of onions about my clothes in the language of mr catterline of the rummins i go but perhaps i shall come back again adieu people of weathersfield be virtuous and you'll be happy end of chapter three